The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday, March the 22nd, 2022. It is 8.02 on your Tucson Tuesday. And uh, whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show to, uh, to listen to. I know that you have a choice of where you lend your ears whether it be to listen to some music on your drive or in your morning, or if you want to gather your sports information, news, opinions, entertainment, slada, yada, yada. Uh, I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show as we are live here every weekday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. right here on ESPN Tucson. Uh, ESPN Tucson, an appliance company, March Brackets. Now, if you didn't get in on the original, you still got an opportunity because if you missed a chance to sign up for the main bracket or if you just need a mulligan. Uh, because yours is busted and mine is really dangerously close to being busted. I mean, it's it, it's it, it's it's real close. <laughs> like the West and the East, my West and East brackets are great, and my South bracket is pretty good. I had Tennessee going to the uh, to the Elite Eight against Arizona. My Midwest bracket is completely busted. Like it is broken. <laughs> like something happened with it. I. Uh, why I believe that Big Ten and SEC teams would come out of the come out of that bracket, I don't know. I guess everybody else did too. But nonetheless, you can make your Sweet 16 and Final Four picks as well. Just go to ESPNTucson.com. Remember, you must be 18 years or older if you want to engage in the uh, in the contest. But hey, you can uh, still win some prizes from our friends at Tucson Appliance Company and Corona if you uh, if you join before the games begin on Thursday. Now, speaking of the games on Thursday, our Sweet 16 coverage will begin at 3 p.m. So no Spears and Ali on those days, unfortunately. Thursday and Friday, uh, the the Westwood One coverage of the tournament begins at 3 p.m. right here on your home for March Madness. And on Thursday at 4 o'clock, at 4.07 specifically, tip-off of the Arkansas-Gonzaga game will start right here on ESPN Tucson. And then we will be checking in via Westwood One to the Michigan-Villanova game, which is going to be a big one for Arizona fans that want to listen to it uh, or, or watch the game regardless. But uh, you can listen to it right here. They'll be, uh, they'll be ducking in and out of those two games. And certainly we'll have the completion of that Michigan-Villanova game once the Arkansas-Gonzaga game is over. Then Texas Tech-Duke tipping off at 639. That's a 3-2 matchup right there. That's going to be a good one. Um, I love Texas Tech like as the team. Just not sure Mark Adams is ready to beat Coach K in his final swan song run uh, through this tournament, but we'll see. And then, of course, the Arizona-Houston game. Now, we will not have that, uh, that game here, I believe. Um, I don't believe we have the uh, the rights to that, but uh, nonetheless, that game tips off at about seven o'clock. And uh, of course, you know Arizona and Houston—that's going to be a big one. We'll have a full preview Thursday for sure. I'll start talking about it tomorrow, getting you kind of ready, starting starting to work up the lather for the uh, for that particular um, you know for that particular matchup because it is going to be a good one, and a lot of the national media are expecting it to be an epic throwdown because. 
Houston and TCU play very, very similar styles, and we saw what happened in the uh, the Arizona TCU game. So uh, a lot of people anticipating that. Sean Miller, former Arizona head coach, of course, decided that he was going to go back to Xavier. He was offered the South Carolina job and offered the Xavier job. He decided that it was he was going to go go back to Cincinnati, where it all began for him, essentially. Not all began, because it began in Pittsburgh um, and in Western PA when he was growing up. But his coaching career really got started in, in Cincinnati at Xavier as the associate head coach under Thad Mata, who then took the Ohio State job and leaving the job for Sean Miller uh, at Xavier. And then, uh, you know, Sean, of course, coming to Tucson for 12 seasons and is now going to return at uh, at Cincinnati, in Cincinnati at Xavier. So he was the uh, he was the head coach there from 2004 to 2009. During his time there, he won 120 games in five seasons at Xavier. <laughs> That's a 72% winning percentage that he had while he was at Xavier. His career winning percentage is 73%, which is really damn good. At Xavier, 72%. And that was when they were in the A-10. Now they're in the Big East, and Sean, you know, and, and having conversations with him and stuff, you know, he's he's your prototypical former Big East player, former – I don't want to say Big East honk. I don't want to call Sean a honk. But, look, <laughs> Big East dudes are very proud of the Big East. They're always proud of the Big East. They're like Big East basketball. It's big. It's all about the Big East and that the way the Big East plays basketball is this and that and the other thing and Big East and this and that. It, it, I mean, it's, it's changed over the years, obviously. Without Xavier, you know, landscape has certainly changed as they're now in the Big East. Now, the Big East conference for basketball is Providence, Villanova. Okay, those are the the two, uh, you know, at least well the ones that are left in the tournament now. Um, you've got UConn, Creighton, Seton Hall, Marquette, St. John's, DePaul, Butler, Georgetown, who went 0 and 19 this year in conference, and Xavier. It is a very good basketball conference. I mean, half of the teams I mentioned right there are teams that are perennial tournament teams, teams who make runs in the tournament. Creighton, always tough. Seton Hall has been known to make runs. They didn't do it this year. They got blown out early, obviously. We, uh, you know, we, we, we're well familiar with what, what happened there because they played TCU, a really hot TCU team. UConn has won a couple of national championships within the last 20 years. Uh, obviously, Villanova with Jay Wright, one of the best coached teams in the entire country. Providence, a really good basketball team as well with history. Marquette, uh, you know, a team that has kind of gone up and down over the years, a roller coaster, but nonetheless always going to be competitive at Marquette. Then you've got uh, St. John's and DePaul. Now, St. John's, you know, the the yesteryear of St. John's dominance and such has certainly gone by the wayside, and they've had some troubles there. DePaul, right there in Chicago, always a threat. Because, you know, you're right there in the heart, man. Like, kids growing up, like, you know, they, they, they know DePaul basketball. And DePaul basketball used to be huge. And this year they started off really well, and then things kind of faded. They were like, they were 9-0, and I think, to start the season this year. So, you know, things are pretty good there. Butler, I mean, you know, we know, we know about Butler, right? They, they are a team that's right there in the heartland, uh, right there in, you know, basketball state Indiana. 
So they're going to be, you know, a team that's that's tough to contend with. So this is a really difficult conference and a very different situation that Sean is stepping into now going into the Big East. As proud as he is of of, of Big East basketball, he's now going to have to compete for his life in that tournament because it's going to it's not going to be easier in the uh, in the conference. It's not going to be easy. Now, the good thing for Sean is, you know, we we've always known Sean as a great recruiter. John is Sean is a tireless recruiter. Recruits the hell out of every program that he's that he's that he's been at. He's produced NBA talent after NBA talent, uh, whether it was at Xavier or at Arizona. Now he inherits a pretty damn good recruiting class that's already been set aside for him, but he's going to have to reconvince one of their recruits. Now, four four star wing uh, Tyrell Ward, who is a, a a commitment. He's already signed his his letter of intent asked to be released from his letter of intent a couple of days ago when they announced that they were still kind of in the search for a head coach and they had fired their previous head coach. uh, And and, and so he had asked for his release from his NLI. He's a four-star player, okay, four-star commit. Um, He is, I think he's, what is he, like the number 10 player at his position, I think? Yeah. Tenth player in his position is six seven wing player. He's regarded as the number thirty six overall player in the class. So pretty pretty highly rated recruit there. We've got two other guys that are really highly rated too. There's three four star commits in this class already for Xavier. A kid by the name of Cam Kraft, who is a six five guard out of Atlanta. He's the number sixty two rated player in the country, the number six rated at his position, and Desmond Claude who's a point guard from Connecticut. He is the 87th rated overall player in the in the uh, in the class and number 13 in his position. So, it's not like Sean's going into a situation where the cupboards are bare and the coach stopped recruiting and all this. The coach just wasn't successful coaching the kids up. Sean can definitely do that. You know, Sean's got great coaching chops. It'll be interesting to see who he gets to be his assistants there. Uh, but nonetheless, Sean's won 422 games in his career, a 73% winning percentage. What does that mean for the Big East? Well, now you've got essentially you, you've got two mega powerhouses when it comes to recruiting. Okay, you've got Jay Wright at Villanova, and Jay doesn't always bring in the best players, like the best freshmen. Like he'll get one or two really, really good ones, a five-star recruit, you know, once every other year, essentially. But he, he, he you know, Jay likes to recruit guys that he can coach up, that he can keep for three, four years. He, he wants to he wants to bring those experienced teams into the tournament. UConn, obviously, you know, always going to be able to recruit well. They've got a rich history in basketball, and they're always going to recruit well. So you've got two monsters you're going up against there. Now you bring in Sean Miller, who's one of the best recruiters in the entire country, back to Xavier, where they had all kinds of success as an A-10 school. You know, this year, not so great. They did win 20 games this year. But not great in the uh, in the in the conference. They went eight and eleven in the Big East this year. A conference that was dominated by Villanova and and Providence and UConn had a really good year. They they came on late. Um, but you know this is this is going to be an interesting jump right into the Big East. You know, Sean's a former Big East Freshman of the Year, you know, at Pitt, and he's got a lot of pride. And he talked about that, you know, before. You know, he'll have I think his introductory press conference is going on today. I think it's in, a, in like in an hour or two. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what you know what kind of happens there as Sean goes back to Cincinnati. Obviously, I wish him all the best. Um, you know, I consider I, Sean probably wouldn't consider me a friend, but I would consider him a friend. 
and uh, I wish him all the best. And I'm very, very, very happy for him. I reached out to uh, to his uh, one of his one of his sons and uh, told him, you know, hey, tell pops that uh, that I'm proud of him and I'm happy for him. And uh, the family's just elated right now. I know uh, Amy's excited to be going back to to Cincinnati to be, uh, you know, in there. And look, Xavier's an interesting school, right? I mean, it's a school with an enrollment of like 3,500, I think it is. Really, really small school, but very good basketball school. And uh, they get Sean back. I had I talked to people that left Xavier with Sean, okay, that, that came to Tucson with him. And they would tell me that, that people back in Cincinnati just want him back. Like, the, the entire time they wanted him back. They're like, uh, you know, because... They liked Chris Mack. I mean, Chris Mack's a good guy, but he wasn't Sean, and he wasn't having the success that Sean Miller was having. You know, Sean went to what do you go? He went to two Elite Eights with with Xavier and the Sweet uh, another Sweet Sixteen with Xavier in five years. <laughs> went to the tournament for the for the five years he was the head coach there. He was National Coach of the Year uh, finalist several times. Like you know, he's he's the best coach they've ever had, and they've got him back and. Uh, I think Sean has has learned. We hope at least that he's learned from this experience on how to go about business and to make sure that you're holding others accountable, people that you may have trusted, that you hold them more accountable for their actions. Because you know, as as the head coach, it all falls on you. Not that he didn't recognize that or realize that to begin with. Sean's a smart guy; he knows better. But uh, sometimes you you let things get away, and. Depending on what happens with the IARP's ruling that is in the Arizona case that we're still waiting on, it's Sean's been fired and rehired before the the rulings have come down, which is tells you everything you need to know about the NCAA process and the IARP process for that matter. Um, you know, you look at guys like Bruce Pearl, uh, you know, at Auburn. Bruce, you know, was similar, uh, you know, level one allegations against him got a two-game suspension, right? And, you know, there have been other situations where a coach wasn't suspended. They were just given a one-year show cause. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Sean in this, in the, you know, that whole that whole instance there. So um, wish him all the best. I, I mean, I I fear for the, for the rest of the, the Big East, that's for sure, because, you know, Sean – is a is a fiery individual, and I, I've you know I've told some stories to some people, and there are some stories that I haven't even been told that are I'm sure that are still you know floating around out there about just how fiery he is. I mean he's <laughs> he's a lit guy, right? He's he's he gets after it. Sean burns hot. I like to say he's a guy that burns hot, and you know I've seen it. We've all seen it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the uh, to the Big East. I think they'll be successful immediately. I mean, I, I really believe. I believe Xavier will be in the tournament next year. The, just the the just having a guy like Sean back in there, being able to recruit, and I'm sure he's already working on you know these recruits. And in, in case you know a couple of the other kids are looking to maybe you know leave the program or leave their commitments as well. But if he can, can secure those three four star commitments, I mean, he's already hit the ground running. <laughs> you got freshmen to come in and play right away for you, so. So good for Sean. Proud of him. Happy for him. And I uh, wish him all the best. And I'll be I'll be rooting for Xavier. I mean, I'd see, you know, I'll be be watching them in the Big East and and uh, watching his progress over there. But I, again, I do think that it's going to have a major major effect on that conference. I mean, we're talking Xavier is immediately now a player for the for the Big East championship every single year. That's that's how strong 
of, of a hire, that is. And, again, he had his choice between Xavier and South Carolina. He decided to go back to where his roots began, and, and maybe there are other things involved there as well. Maybe he wanted to coach the Big East. Sean always talked about the Big East, always. He's a, he loved watching Big East basketball. He's harking back to the years of the old Big East, right? So, and look, all those guys are the same. Like, you talk to old Big East guys, they're, they're all the same. Even guys that are on TV now, like Big East basketball, they, they just they love the history and the tradition of that, of that conference, and rightfully so. I mean, they've done some great things throughout the years and the decades. It's a new look now, and uh, Xavier going to be looking to climb to the top amongst the likes of Villanova, UConn, Providence, some pretty darn good basketball schools in there. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, some news and notes from the NFL. A running back re-signing with his team, the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons on the move. Who do the Falcons bring in to replace him? And what is going to happen with Baker Mayfield? I'll share my thoughts and opinions on that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Talking all kinds of sports. Lots of basketball, lots of Wildcat uh, sports, things that happen on campus. But now we're going to change change gears to the NFL. And, uh, look, as I mentioned, I promise every single day here to talk NFL for you because the NFL is king, and we need to talk about it every day because there's always something going on. And yesterday, some interesting things happened. Shortly after the show ended, as usual, Matt Ryan of the Falcons was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. That's it. <laughs> Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third-round pick. So the Colts essentially said, look, we can't have Carson Wentz throwing the football away and doing all these stupid things that he does in late-game decisions when we're trying to win a championship. And now we're going to have to go against this gauntlet that is the rest of the AFC, and we can't go, we can't go to war with Carson Wentz. We need uh, you know, someone who can manage the game a lot better. We've got some talented guys, some pieces around him, and I think, personally, I think this is the perfect fit for Matt Ryan. Like I like Matt Ryan. I've always liked Matty Ice. Always thought that he was uh, a guy that was built to be an NFL quarterback. He wasn't blessed with the biggest arm, the best athleticism, but his pre-snap discipline is extremely good. Um, he may not have the arm strength to capitalize on some of those pre-snap convictions now that he's uh, you know he's getting a little up there in, in age. But nonetheless, he's done a phenomenal job with the Falcons. And you look at his numbers, like <laughs> the numbers that he's put up in his career, very, very impressive. So the Indianapolis Colts going to be taking on Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons keeping his contract. So I this is insane. The Atlanta Falcons are going to carry a $40.5 million dead money charge against the cap for Matt Ryan this season. So the, 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 the Colts are off the hook. They, they, don't, I mean, they don't have to pay him anything other than um, you know, pick up his, his uh, signing bonus and such and any kind of restructuring that they want to do with his contract. The, the, the Falcons are going to carry a $40.5 million dead money charge against the cap this season, which is the largest 
such charge for any one player in NFL history. And he's not the only guy they're carrying dead cap money for. In fact, when you add in Julio Jones and Dante Fowler, the Atlanta Falcons are going to be carrying more than $62 million in dead cap money this season. Ouch. They're in full rebuild mode, obviously. I still think they've got some talented guys in there uh, You know, with that team. It appears that Marcus Mariota is going to be throwing them the football because the Falcons, about 20 minutes after sending Matt Ryan to the Colts, they called up and made a deal for, uh, for, for with Marcus Mariota, signed with two years. I think he's making uh, like $10 million, $11 million a year, something like that. Regardless, it sounds like Marcus Mariota is going to be competing for the starting uh, for the starting job there in Atlanta. And the head coach in Atlanta there, very familiar with Marcus Mariota. They work together in Tennessee. So what does that mean for some of the other quarterbacks? Because, you know, the NFC South now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they get their quarterback, apparently unretiring Tom Brady, going to be coming back for the Bucs. Now Atlanta has moved on from Matt Ryan. They're going to take on Marcus Mariota. That leaves the New Orleans Saints, who were in the, the, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. They re-signed Jameis Winston. It was either late last night or early this morning to a two-year contract. In fact, I think it was early this morning. Uh, the Saints and Jameis Winston agreed to a two-year contract. So it sounds like Jameis, who has been cleared from his surgery to play this season, uh, will be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Now that leaves the Carolina Panthers, who are in quarterback hell right now. They tried for a year to work a deal with Deshaun Watson, and he turned him, spurned him away, and was like, no, nah, I'm going to go to Cleveland. Okay. Then they tried to, to you know, angle with, you know, for Marcus Mariota. That didn't happen. He signed with their division rival, Atlanta. So what does Carolina do now? Do they go to Cleveland and just say, we need a quarterback, we'll take Baker Mayfield? Is that what is that what Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers want to do? I mean, you can't start the season with Sam Darnold as your quarterback again, can you? He's the worst starting quarterback in the league. <laughs> don't at me. He is. I, I I just don't know how you can do that, but does Baker Mayfield want to go to Carolina? Does he have a choice? I mean, these are all questions that need to be answered. Uh, there are There are a few teams that right now, I believe, should be or will be in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. So, what you know, what uh, Baker Mayfield made a statement, I don't know if it was yesterday or earlier this morning, um, basically, like, it, it, would, it would be in the best interest of both parties that we separate from one another, Talk, speaking about him and the Cleveland Browns. So where does he go? Carolina, obviously, the first choice. Does Carolina even want him? Because Houston didn't want him. Like, Houston needs quarterback, right? They were going to throw in the, – the Browns were going to throw in – Baker Mayfield as part of the Deshaun Watson deal, and the Houston Texans were like, nah, we're good. Just just send us those draft picks, and and, uh, and we'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So no home for Baker in Houston. So Carolina, the obvious choice. How about this? How about Detroit? The Detroit Lions, not happy with Jared Goff. Like, he's – they're just – they're not happy at all. And I think with Dan Campbell as your head coach – you have a little bit of that, uh, you know, crotch-grabbing, knee-biting. I think Baker would fit in well there, right? And, look, John Dorsey, the former GM of the Cleveland Browns, who drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall, 
is like I think he's I know he's in the front office of Detroit, but he's like the president of player personnel or something like that. He's like he's up there as far as in, in, in making personnel moves. So does John Dorsey go to back for his boy that he drafted number one overall, or maybe he's like uh, that guy ruined my career. Uh, screw him. <laughs> We're not bringing him in here. Or could there be a surprise team, a team that has a quarterback that is kind of on the ropes, that is looking for a strong backup to either push their now starting quarterback, you know, the quarterback they have starting, push him to to you know to to perform better, to play harder, to study better, whatever have you, or if they're just looking for a really good insurable backup because. Maybe their starting quarterback gets injured often or whatever have you. Could the New York Giants be a landing spot for Baker Mayfield? Do they, you know, do they have Daniel Jones who they're starting to cool on rapidly in New York? Are they sitting there saying, you know, if, if Danny Dimes starts off the season one in four and he's got three touchdowns to six interceptions in those games, we're going to move on from him. And you got Baker Mayfield right there who can be the rescuer, the gunslinger, come in and sling the ball all over the field and try to just win games in, a, in an already lost season, essentially, at that point. So that could be an interesting choice. So I would, I would be looking for one of those teams. So it's either, for me, it's either Carolina, who I really don't think wants him and really doesn't have any leverage right now. They would get taken to the cleaners by the Cleveland Browns if they, if they went to them right now for Baker Mayfield. So I don't think that's – I. I it, it, it wouldn't be wise for Carolina to go take those measures. It could be the Detroit Lions where they're in need of a quarterback or at least a really solid backup quarterback, somebody that they can switch off of Jared Goff from, and his buddy John Dorsey is in the front office there. Or it could be one of those teams out there who's either looking to push a starting quarterback or push him out the door, which there are several, right? So those are the three scenarios that I see for Baker Mayfield. Baker is making it well known that he doesn't want to start the season as the Cleveland Brown. However, they're starting to lose some leverage with him as well. Do they just go ahead and go into the season with Baker as their as their you know backup quarterback, and then at the trade deadline, as teams are a little more desperate, thinking that they're just one guy away, one quarterback away from winning their division or getting into the playoffs? Do they roll the dice on Baker and give up their draft picks for that year for Baker? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's another strategy that could be played out here by the Cleveland Browns. But the, then you'd have to deal with a disgruntled Baker Mayfield for seven games or eight eight weeks or whatever it is uh, until the NFL trade deadline. So I don't know if that would work out very well either. It's a sticky situation. Anytime you're dealing with like, big money, big business, big egos, this these are the kinds of things that are going to happen. I mean, it's fun for us to sit here and watch from afar. Like, yep, I don't got to deal with that. Thank God. Thank God I don't have to deal with Baker Mayfield and his attitude, and I don't have to deal with what I'm going to do with his money or or be one of the teams that is like, we don't have a quarterback, do we call Baker Mayfield? <laughs> because, again, I, you know, it's just one of those guys, like, I wouldn't have drafted him. I just didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like the entire, the, the entirety of Baker Mayfield. I liked little pieces of Baker Mayfield, but I didn't like the entirety of Baker Mayfield as an NFL quarterback. And now the Cleveland Browns are having to deal with it. But they got Deshaun Watson, so what do they care? Paid him $280 million, whatever whatever it turned out to be. Leonard Fournette re-signed with the Buccaneers. He's going to return for a three-year contract. Leonard Fournette, three-year contract. Good for him. 
$21 million for, uh, for Leonard Fournette uh, from, the, uh, from, the, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so that's good for him. And Mel Kuyper, my guy Mel Kuyper, has put out his most recent NFL mock draft. He has Aiden Hutchinson going number one overall to the Jags. I don't know, man. He's got Kyle Hamilton going number two to the Lions. Akam Ikwanwu, the offensive tackle from North Carolina State, going to the Texans. And he's got Drake London. Now, there's a name that we've kind of forgotten about, right? I mean, I haven't forgotten about it. He's on my list. But there's a name that's been forgotten by a lot of people when talking about this upcoming NFL draft. Well, you know, you got, uh, you know, Olave and Wilson from Ohio State, and you got these guys. And I'm like, uh, <clears throat> did we forget about Drake London and how he was absolutely just destroying every single defense in the Pac-12 before he got hurt in the Arizona game? Like, broke his ankle, end of the season. At that point in time, he already, already had 88 catches for almost 1,100 yards in seven and a half games. Like, let's not forget about Drake London. He's 6'5", like best wide receiver in the class. So uh, Mel Kuyper snuck him in there at number four, and everybody's like, ooh, Drake London, forget about him. I'm like, yeah, we didn't forget about him. He's pretty damn good. And then he's got Evan, uh, Evan Neal, offensive tackle, the freak from uh, Alabama, going number five overall to the Giants. That's his top five. If you want to check it out, you can always go to ESPN.com. He's right there. If you have your ESPN Plus subscription, you can read it. If not, you're looking at the top pick, and then uh, you're trying to find it online somewhere else for free. All right. <laughs> I'm going to take a timeout when we return. More after this from the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, another NFL news, I'll continue, you know, if you listen to the show, you know that I follow the athletic religiously. That's where I get read the chunk of my articles because they have the best journalists. They have the best article writers on their staff. And Mike Sando, a guy whom I've known for a long time, is the he was the, the, the former ESPN beat writer for the NFC West, and I saw Mike all the time. He has elevated his status. He's the NFL writer for The Athletic or one of the, you know, one of the few that they have there uh, on staff. And he put together a story. If you haven't had a chance to read this yet, and you just want to you just want something to, like, maybe, like, feel better about yourself for a day. Read the story that he and Jason Jenks put together on Urban Meyer's short stint in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It will immediately make you feel like a better person. Because <laughs> this guy was a jackass. I mean, in every sense of the word. There's a, I, won't, I won't give up the entire story here, but I'm just going to read you a, a, just a couple of little uh, quips here. One of his players had missed an assignment during a preseason game, leading to a busted play. Meyer was completely enraged when it happened, and it didn't stop there. A day later, he was still apparently fuming over this missed assignment in a preseason game. And he said if the mistake ever happened again, that he would cut every single one of them. Quote, and you guys know what would happen if I cut you guys? According to there were four people in the room. He said, you couldn't get a job paying more than $15 an hour. So, so okay. First of all, like, these are, these are men, okay? You can't talk to people like that. Like, you, you can't, you, 
you may be able to talk to the kids that way. And it's like, oh, if I cut you from Ohio State football, you won't be able to get a job and blah. You can scare the hell out of kids like that. These are men who, in the NFL, have gotten degrees because they had to ple- they had to go to school three years out of high school. Might as well make the most of it, and most football programs do because they pride themselves on graduation rates from their football programs. So they make sure that they get guys going through there and getting graduating in three, three and a half years. So these are all guys that probably have a degree in something, most likely have a degree in something, and he told them you couldn't get a job paying more than $15 an hour. The implication being that his players w- were capable of doing anything else other than playing football. Well, that left some of the players, in fact, all four of them, in that room very, very angry. In fact, one veteran player in the room said, quote, I lost all respect for him after that. Now, Meyer has a long history, Urban Meyer has a long history of mistreating players, mistreating the the people on his staff. He's got kind of that, I don't want to say Todd Graham, uh, you, you know, air or moniker about him. Todd was just, he was intolerable to his staff. Like, the players liked him okay. The His assistant coach, there's a reason why assistant coaches every single year were taking lateral moves from Arizona State. I didn't, you know, follow everything that he did in his previous stops, but at least when I covered, you know, football when he was at Arizona State, his assistant coaches were always leaving, taking lateral positions somewhere else because they wanted to get the hell away from him. Well, Urban Meyer has been in situations where he's paying his assistant coaches extremely good, you know, salaries because he's at big time programs, Florida, Ohio State. I mean, he's he's at these these big programs that are competing for national championships. Coaches aren't going to take a lateral move. There isn't a lateral move at that point, unless Alabama wants you. So he's been really, really hard on his staff because he's been able to be there. He's, he's elevated himself to a situation where he could he could belittle people and demean them and, and, and be demonstrative over his coaches and players. Well, you go to the NFL, bro, that don't work. One of a, a veteran member of the operations staff there, somebody who's been working in the front office and such for quite some time in Jacksonville, said, quote, it was the most toxic environment I've ever been a, far, a, a part of, by far not even close. Receiver DJ Chark, whom signed with the Lions uh, in the offseason after spending his first four years in the league with the Jags, said that, Urban Meyer would routinely threaten to fire coaches and cut players. Quote, he feels like threats are what motivates. I know he would come up to us and tell us if the receivers weren't doing good that he was going to fire us. He was going to fire our coach. And he would usually say that when the coach was around. So here's Urban Meyer walking around, and he's like, you know this. He goes, I'll fire all of you guys. But he always made sure that the coach was within earshot of hearing it. So there was always like this, I'm going to lose my job. You can't motivate people that way. Maybe some humans are wired that way, but most of them are not. Most of them do not take well to threats, especially when it's dealing with their livelihood and putting food on the table for their families. Like people don't, we don't do well with that. Like Urban Meyer turned out to be the most anti-people person in the sport. Period. We all know what happened with Josh Lambeau, his kicker, where he kicked him and was like, don't miss another kick. And, you know, Josh Lambeau's like, screw you, buddy. (laughs) I'm I'm going to the league with this. Good. Using intimidation tactics and such. If you get a chance, it's a long article. It's a really long article. But I'll tell you what, you get through that, and uh, you'll feel better about yourself. Trust me. 
like <laughs> you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm not such a jerk after all. I could be worse. I could be Urban Meyer. Because that's basically the way that I felt after reading the thing. Mike Sando and uh, Jason Jenks did a great job of uh, of that. And the more that we uncover, I know the headline yesterday, because I saw it yesterday, the headline, because there was a, a, a snippet taken from that article about Urban Meyer asking his players, they were playing the Rams, um, he was asking his players, hey, uh, who's that number 99 guy on their defense? Acting like... You know, the headline was Urban Meyer doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. That's not – I'm sure I'm sure Urban Meyer knows exactly who Urban, Aaron Donald is. I, he can't be that stupid. Trust me. He, he's, he may be a jerk, but he's not an idiot. Um, I'm sure that he was like <laughs> – it was probably – you know, in college – he's so used to collegiate tactics, dealing with teenagers, right, in – you get them, you get them wide-eyed, you get them enamored. It's like, hey, who's that number 99 guy over there? I wonder if he's any good. Knowing that he's the best player on the planet, right? <laughs> like, you do that in college to a bunch of young kids, and, you know, they're going up against, you know, whomever, you know, uh, you know, who, you know whoever from Alabama, okay, the star quarterback or running back, or whatever. Yeah, who's that uh, 25 guy? He's pretty good. Wonder who, wonder who that guy is. Wonder if he's going to make a name for himself in the league. You know, little stuff like that, and players, like, you know, they kind of chuckle, and they're like, dude, he's really good. NFL, people, like, these guys have, like, co-brokered deals with Aaron Donald on endorsements and stuff. Like, they've sat, and they've sat in, a, in a meeting room or on a Zoom with Aaron Donald, like, trying to make money together with him. They don't, they're not going to buy your crap about being, oh, who's this number 99 guy? I bet he's pretty good, man. <laughs> Act like an adult. Treat them like adults. <laughs> it's just like the more I read this, the the article, I'm just like, good lord, what a what a massive massive mistake by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I listen. I, I don't. I'm not a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. I couldn't care less about their win loss record. To be honest with you, I I mean I feel bad for them. I really do. I hope it doesn't affect them for too long. I hope they're able to bounce back. And I'll tell you this. I like I like Trevor Lawrence. Not only as a player, but as a person. I've had a chance to interview him and talk to him. Uh, he's, he's a delightful young man. And I think that, that you know, putting him in that, in that system there with Urban Meyer was, like, that was a huge problem. Thankfully, they've got an adult running the program now. They've got Doug Peterson. And <laughs> some people may push back on that, like Doug Peterson's, you know, an idiot too. But, uh, you know, he, he won a Super Bowl and then let everything go to, go to pieces in Philadelphia. Some people learn from their mistakes. Some people don't. We'll see if Doug Peterson is one of those guys who does. But immediately, the Jacksonville Jaguars went out and got themselves protection for their quarterback and targets for their quarterback. That's what you needed to do. Now, they weren't able to re-sign DJ Chark. They lost him. They lost him to the Lions and the NFC. It's not, you know, whatever. He's a good player, but it's not like he's going to go be playing for the best team in your conference, in your division. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I hope it doesn't set them back too far because God, reading this, just to be treated that way. I, I mean, again, and the guys in the, in the on the team, the players on the team, respect respect to them for not chirping back at this dude when he would come into the meeting room and say, "You can't make fifteen dollars an hour if you're not playing football." Screw you, buddy. <laughs> like, I got a, a degree in journalism or whatever. I can go be a journalist. So, yeah, brutal, brutal stuff. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, 
I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Talk a little Suns NBA before we get out of here because, you know, super excited. I'm a proud Suns fan today, every day. But, man, uh, now, if you if you saw the game in Sacramento on Sunday, and it was tough to watch at times because the Suns were just getting blasted, but made the huge comeback. They were down 14 in the third quarter, end up coming back. Devin Booker hits the fadeaway jumper on the baseline with eight seconds left on the clock in regulation, force overtime. Suns win in overtime. Just another drawn-up Monty Williams win for the, uh, for the Phoenix Suns. They were without Cameron Payne and, of course, without Chris Paul in that game. But if you're watching the game, Chris Paul out there without any kind of a brace or any kind of any kind of anything on his hand or his thumb, slapping hands with players, having a good old time, yapping it up and high fiving people and doing his thing. So I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Like don't do that. Like <laughs> wait a second. And now we get word that, hey, um he might play tomorrow. Like the Suns aren't ruling it out. So on February 20th, the Phoenix Sun said Chris Paul is on a six- to eight-week time period right now for the broken thumb that he suffered in, uh, in, the, in the game. I think it was against Clippers. That was February 20th, which would have put his return date at April 3rd, somewhere like right, the earliest return date, April 3rd, which is basically playoff time, right? The Suns have not ruled out that he won't play tomorrow against Minnesota. Now, you can hear that game right here on ESPN Tucson. Suns at T-Wolves. That game tips off at 4.30. So, you know, we'll have uh, we'll have Suns basketball here for you as we do all year long. So this whole injury thing from CP3 that had everybody worried, like, oh, he won't be ready for the second round of the playoffs and all this, he may play tomorrow. <laughs> Apparently, he has really ramped up his activity and was seen conducting rigorous workouts before the game against the Kings. Now, those of you who are longtime Suns fans know that there is something in the water in that in that building where guys tend to kind of come back sooner than later. Like it's just been it's been kind of a like a calling card for the Phoenix Suns. Almost like you know Arizona has Justin Kokoski has had him for what, 22 years, 23 years now, working his magic and getting curb. Curb didn't even walk with a limp uh, the other night <laughs> in the game. It was amazing to see him out there running around full gate. Um, but the Suns have, have had the same thing since the 80s. Like it seems like they've always had like this magic elixir to get guys back on the floor sooner than what was expected. And if what I'm hearing is is true there's a chance that he could be ready for the game tomorrow. Now, does that mean he'll play? I don't think he should, personally. I mean, the T-Wolves are a good team. It's a road game. Fine. Whatever. There's no need to play him. You've got a nine-game lead with ten games to go. Let's not push it here. If the Suns were in seventh place in the West and needed to secure six wins out of the next ten games to make sure that they get into the postseason, then, yeah, let's – Let's try to get him back as quickly as possible. The Suns are about to wrap up home court advantage any day now. Like the, the, the Western Conference will be decided any day now 
probably within the next four or five days of who's going to have home court advantage in the Western Conference. Pretty sure we know who it's already going to be. It's just a matter of mathematics and time. So I'm not so sure about rushing him back, but good God, if they have him available for the first round of the playoffs, now all of this, oh, if they get into a, a, a series with the Lakers and they don't have Chris Paul, look out, five-game series, stop. Suns will hang 140 on the Lakers every night. They can't defend anybody. They had to score 131 to win last night. <laughs> so I'm not worried, but now I'm excited. Like, hearing these things about Chris Paul getting CP3 back, the point god, very excited about that. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping us on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show every single weekday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. As I mentioned, Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6 p.m. And I will see you guys again tomorrow, bright and early, right here for the Jeff Dean Show at 7 a.m. Until then, you guys have a great rest of your day. Enjoy some sports. We'll see you guys tomorrow right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.